Hi, and welcome to the podcast Invest in You. It's episode number 43, and today we've got a very special guest for you, and uh, it's uh, Anna Harper. Uh, we have met um, uh, a few times o- over the years, and uh, it's been really great to see how you've been growing into the fantastic businesswoman you are today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's, it's good because uh, we've been growing uh, alongside, uh, and it's really fun to see what other people are doing that are really striving to make a big difference, uh, and also see how the, also the future goals are not too dissimilar as well. So yeah, I look forward yeah. to dive into your investor journey and share some golden nuggets for the audience. I hope so, yeah. Great. Perfect. So without uh, further ado, would you mind to explain who are you, Anna? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Anna Harper. I'm a co-founder and investment director at a new business called Anglo Residential and host of the Return Property and Investment Podcast. So the business, Anglo Residential, focuses on long-term UK residential investments and we're aiming to invest 100 million in the sector over the next year whilst giving investors easy access to regional residential property in the UK. So the goal for them is stronger returns than they would make in the bank to preserve their wealth securely for their and their family's future um, and use strategies which are designed to withstand market cycles, political uncertainties and regulatory changes, which are a hot topic right now. Um, and prior to this, I co-founded and ran an investment and development company which led about £13 million worth of UK residential property projects across 80 or so flats and houses. Um, and throughout this I've always worked very closely with investors because when I started I was investing on the side whilst working at Deloitte uh, which I did for five years and I had no seed funding so although I was very passionate about property um, following a real estate degree from Cambridge I I basically had nowhere to start other than (laughs) going out finding deals learning as much as I could and and then finding investors that wanted to work on those kind of projects. So, yep. um, so I had to just get going that way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Coming back to those really early days, uh, Anna, uh, did you find the money or the deal first? Where did it all start? Deal. The deal. Yeah, <laughs> actually, sorry. Um, I actually remember the very first um, project that I found, and it had taken me that many months to find it. It really did feel like a slow progress at that stage, but I finally found an opportunity that I really, really liked. And... It was going to an auction and the Sunday before I had a spreadsheet of all the people that I'd met yep. who were vaguely interested <laughs> in property. And I, I honestly, I called every single, I probably called a hundred people before, yep. before one person was interested. And actually he's been great. I've, I've worked with him on probably five, five to eight projects. Really, he's a great, a great really, really random. And again, that's just super basic fundamentals how you can do it but most people wouldn't dare to do those two things like number one find the right deal yeah deal go for and then to pick up the phone yeah well a hundred times right I know, I know. <laughs> it's that thing of um you have to expect nine rejections before you get one acceptance yes the odds aren't always that good <laughs> yeah, I, I would i would credit a, a big part of your success to date on that start and then i guess you've been moving along in a similar way later as well Okay, so I know you like to work uh, close with uh, different investors. We can come back to that later as well. Have you had like uh, many investors or a few investors over the years? Like small amount, small yeah, amount small amount of close quality. relationships. Not necessarily. It's not yeah. necessarily about quality. It's yeah. it's more that the model that we had. Um, you know, we really had to be working with high net worth individuals and yeah. sophisticated investors yeah. because it was kind of. 
um, relatively sophisticated at that stage. And, and actually, to be honest, the the business model that we're, we're working on now is is a lot simpler. It's less kind yes. of sexy, less glamorous, um, just very very simple model. So it's it's more suited to a wider range of investors, but. Some of that stuff is a little bit, it wasn't really kind of retail friendly. So it's always been quite kind of close relationships with a few investors yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah. To right. date. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you might, you might not know, we, we try to make a, a really strong effort to have a 50-50 or at least many women on board as well because we have three men hosting this podcast. Uh, and so we are super excited to have you here, obviously. Uh, even as surely they are recovering from a competition. So they're not yeah. with us today. <laughs> Well, that's a good, that's a good excuse, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, so, uh, woman in property, is there any difference to, to be a man in property? You know, it's really interesting. I think when I first started, I felt like there was a difference. And more recently, I really haven't felt that. I think yep. prob- probably um, from the outside, it may seem a little bit different. but And I guess I have a, a fairly unique perspective because what I'm a 29-year-old girl and in most rooms, I'm... And most meetings and with most investment partnerships, I'm working yep. with men who are twice my age. But I, I really have not noticed being treated any differently. I feel like a lot of that is about how you feel about yourself. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I think when I first started, I, I really was conscious of the fact that yeah. I was the only girl in the room. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not conscious of it anymore at all. No, um, that's good. I mean, I think it's come back to like the whole pride in, in the role and professionals and, and also you get more comfortable when you have got a few deals under your belt mm. uh, the whole comfort is, is very different where the deals can speak for themselves um, so yeah I think it's the same thing as when you stand up in front of a room to talk to people if you're thinking about yourself you probably will get self-conscious but if you're yep. thinking about um, sharing a message that is super interesting and super important for the people who are in there and really care about sharing that yep. message then suddenly you don't feel self-conscious anymore yeah no exactly yeah I mean one reason I want to have you on the podcast of course you got so much nice good energy because uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, it makes a huge difference when you when the, the room is brighter when you enter than, than the other way around Do you know, I think that's really important actually because the people that I love working with and the people I work with repeatedly that's exactly what I feel about them yep. is they have really good energy and they make things more fun and it's yes. not always just about numbers and um yeah no exactly i guess that's the advantage of being an kind of entrepreneur in a sector where there are still relatively low barriers to entry is that you can kind of make your own relationships and yeah. choose to work with people who are fun rather than feeling like what well, there's there's two possible banks that you could choose to work yes. with and they're both very corporate and they'll yeah, get yeah, everything yeah. right but they're like highly professional and um less less personality yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, completely makes sense. So, uh, you know that uh, we like uh, personal development. We like, I mean, I personally put a lot of effort into learning more stuff because I like to teach others. I always want to be like on top of my game to keep learning new things. Um, How do you relate to the statement, invest in you? Okay, so I think think it's a super important idea. Um, especially if you're in charge of your own destiny and running your own business or you know there's a goal that isn't related to let's say a job where most of your personal development stuff is actually defined by the company that you're working for Um, so I suppose from my side I focused quite heavily on learning as much as I could throughout the process Um, and I think that's been really important it's that Carol Dweck idea of um, the growth mindset that if you enjoy 
learning along the way then in a way it doesn't really matter if you make mistakes because as long as you learn from them and you enjoy the process it's sort of um, no bad thing Um, good I guess the other thing is um, it's about taking the long view so it's like the difference between spending versus investing now is you could go for long term progress um, with investing or you could spend now for instant gratification and and you know what to be honest a mix of both is great (laughs) but um but if you do want kind of long-term progress then you do have to invest and actually it's interesting so on the financial side of stuff i look at three metrics for every investment decision and that's reward to risk yes reward to effort and then opportunity cost yes and i actually think it's the same if it's in personal development it's always going to be about risk um, the opportunity cost and the effort. Yes. When you say opportunity cost, is that opportunity cost of time that you you need to put in? Or resources or, or any resources? Or resources. Yeah. Okay, um, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, for example, if I'm choosing to invest my time with you today, yes, I'm not having my lion. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's, I suppose it's all a choice, yes. and, and yeah. you're always going to be trading off one thing against another. Exactly. So. That's kind of how I feel about um, personal development in yeah. this. I got I got more questions linked to personal development and also like property education. But before I go into the informal property education, like which is happening all over the place by non-qualified people and some qualified, uh, how is to study property at university? So very interesting. So it was a great. So basically, I did land economy at Cambridge, which is they say the most practical degree at Cambridge. But actually, still, <laughs> it was it was fairly academic. Um, so we studied kind of economics, finance, yes. law, um, land use, and so on. Now I loved it from, and I thought it was super useful for, from a um, teaching me how to think. Um, but it was ultimately very academic. And then when I did my first internship at Knight Frank. I turned around and there was no one else there from Cambridge. Everyone was from Reading or Brooks. And they said, no, no, they were, they were from a sort of more vocational type yeah, of university. Yeah, of yes. And everyone sort of said, when well, no, no one likes your degree here. Like they, they don't normally let people in from Cambridge because it's kind of basically not very practically useful. So although it was very interesting, I don't think it's actually, a, and, and it, it certainly made me very passionate about the topic. Yes. Um, and good theory. I don't think it's necessarily helped with business or investment. Um, <laughs> but then, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a different bit. It certainly helps you to learn to think. Yeah. I mean, it's the same with uh, so many different degrees, even to the level where a business degree, whether and how applicable that is in business is also mm-hmm. debatable. Mm-hmm. Interesting, you've got three, three no, finest degrees. I think sometimes it's doing, doing stuff alongside. Like, I uh, work with a guy, you know, he helps me with my podcast, yes. um, and he is a student studying business at one of the universities in London. Now, he's getting a great benefit from that because he's studying it and he had no practical experience, or not very much. But now that he's working alongside me and he's getting the practical and the theoretical, I think it's really helping him. So maybe sometimes it's good to have a little combination of both. Yeah, different perspective. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, the same with both even and Shirley helping out in different shapes and forms. So Shirley was with me pretty much almost a whole month of which two weeks we were traveling across Europe. He was attending business seminars, uh, working on property portfolio, and he even went to uh, Harvard Business School and Harvard Law School uh, and interviewed people there as well. Um, Does he know how lucky he is? <laughs> I hope so. I don't know. Yeah, I hope you can listen to this one. But um, yeah, he, he, he is lucky, but it is also because he's curious. Yeah. Uh, and that's the only thing I try to do with both of them, try to keep them interested and curious, not to try to like, you can't 
force anyone to learn anything. It needs to come from the inside. Um, I, so, yeah. I think it's, it's actually amazing what you're doing there, encouraging that. I think they're super lucky. Um, but not everyone does have that. And no, yeah, no, right. that, that for me is a big thing about this whole investing in yourself and learning journey is that you have to be conscious of and accept where you're starting from. Yes. Not everyone has had that amazing start in life and it's awesome mm. for the people who have, but yeah. you've got to start where you are. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I, I certainly did not have any of these aspects. I was the first one to go to university. I was the first one to do basically anything I did uh, in, in, in the family. I was the oldest one as well. So coming back to, we spoke about one reason why I'm sharing content like this on the podcast is because it's, it's digestible and useful yeah. to hopefully people in different parts of the world. How did you get into podcasting? So that's really interesting actually. So I also think that having accessible knowledge is very important. I was, um, I was super busy because I was working at this sort of city job strategy yes. consulting I loved the idea of property and I need to learn more but I'm actually terrible at sitting down and reading a book or watching a webinar I have zero attention span and I'm not very good at reading so um, despite the educational background um, so I was listening to podcasts yep. and it got me really really into it and that taught me so much that then I kind of thought you know what like there's so many things that I'm learning through the conversations that I'm having with people Indeed. every day that other people could benefit from and why not share it so that was kind of it helped yep. me so I kind of feel it's important to pass these things forward yes. um, and if you can if you can help just you know a couple of people with each episode then exactly. that's awesome that's a result to be honest yeah. I mean I mean, we, we started this conversation of course even before we, we hit record uh, and uh, I'd like to bring some back, some of the thoughts back to what we spoke about even before we start to record because we are both unusual in the property industry so one thing that I like is like to hold on to assets mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. you know <laughs> exactly so there's a why, why does it make sense to hold assets because not everyone is doing that who's mm -hmm. developing things so I think there's there's strategies which are very easy to market and make sexy like buying a plot of land building a huge block of apartments and then selling them all off for loads and loads of money yep. that is a really sexy strategy but <laughs> it doesn't necessarily mean that it's good long term so i think in the market context and also on a personal level yes. um uh, taking a long view taking a low risk view um and looking at income that will yes. help you for years to come over let's say a 20 year view yes. really um is a more sensible more conservative strategy and sometimes when I'm explaining to people what I'm doing at the moment they're sort of still looking at me when I finished the pitch yep. <laughs> going what's the next bit and I'm like no 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 that's it it's very simple yes. it's buying and earning income. <laughs> yes. income and keeping your wealth safe so, yes. um, so that's kind of my main focus at the moment and that, like I say that is partly influenced by there's been a lot of changes in the market resale variables make development in particular it's quite risky yeah. and actually there's huge value in specific parts of the UK property market that other people aren't necessarily touching that's yep. stuff that's undervalued basically yes. so it's kind of like this Warren Buffett idea of value investing yep but applied to property yeah no, the stuff that isn't sexy doesn't me. get it doesn't get yes. and also I mean I guess there's, there's a couple of different strategies for example um, buying off plan really really amazing prime apartments that they really do appeal to a certain investor sentiment but 
I guess one of the objectives for me in investing is to detach yes. myself from sentiment. And I think that can stand you. You really want to be away from emotions when you're making yes. investment decisions. The quicker you can do that, the yeah. better. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's fascinating with London and the whole who is actually buying things. I mean, we're sitting in, in a... In a, in a taller building in London. Uh, in a really glamorous skyscraper like I just uh, talked about. <laughs> and uh, guess how, what's the percentage of foreign owners in this one? Oh, well, do you count yourself as a foreign owner? No, okay. I'm resident. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go 90 plus. Yeah, it is. Is it? Yeah, it is more than 90% plus in this country, so yeah. That's crazy. Uh, it is crazy, yeah. Uh, and uh, Whereas if you go to the sticks and yes. you're looking at, for example, yeah, exactly. on the outskirts of... Manchester in yes. Ashton. What's the percentage there? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's the other way around. If, if even that, right? if yes. that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it's very interesting to see in terms of like uh, the supply and demand and how uh, buyers really influence the, the whole price picture uh, big time. Uh, we let, let's park the whole big question with Brexit and everything else mm, for mm. for, no, for another. Well, no, but the, but but the yeah, reason it's important it's, is because yeah, it yes. affects investor sentiment and. Ultimately, we are all in a market that is, whether you're detaching yourself from yep. the emotions of your investment decision or not, you have to be conscious of the fact that most people aren't and everyone, exactly. everyone is very nervous at the moment. Yes, yes. Okay, so we spoke about like, okay, it's cool and good to hold stuff. Mm-hmm. Now we're coming to something else, which is again, we spoke about risk and reward as also a matrix I love to use a lot. Um, high gearing, so for people who don't see what that means, like high loan to value, so a lot of for example, banks money to a deal, or, or, or actually over time allow it to, to decrease so your equity part is increasing. What's kind of your gut feeling? Refinance and use the funds for other things, or like lower the risk gradually over time? I think it depends on your strategy. It's part of it. Yes. That, like your financing strategy has to fit with your wider strategy. Yep. So uh, we just talked about low risk strategy, yes. which means low leverage because yes. any bank debt is a risk. There's you know, plenty of stories from the last recession about people who actually had relatively conservative portfolios, yes. but because values had increased, they'd refinanced a little bit and they didn't maybe appreciate that the covenants on their loans yes. actually meant that they could fall into default without doing anything wrong. Yes. Just that the valuation that their bank insisted on doing every year yep. came back and it said, oh no, the value in this area has changed and suddenly you're in default. That can happen. And that's not necessarily because you've been too greedy. So yes. I would say being conservative if you've got a long-term view is probably not a bad idea. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, there's a huge benefit in leverage and there's plenty of investors who have done very well by, by leveraging quite highly. Indeed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, in the end of the day, when you are really accelerating fast, then obviously the, the gearing and the risk is usually higher. Uh, when you're later like consolidating and, and figuring things out, then of course it will be the other way around. Do you know what? I think this, this also to the question you asked me earlier about um, working with private investors I think it depends very much on who you're working with and what they want yes. so that whole thing about looking at the customer and what they want and if you are working with uh, for example a very broad range of um, retail investors they may not like to hear that you are using 90% debt financing and then yes. 10% their money they may prefer something a lot more conservative and yeah. I think you have to think about the customer when you're making that, that financing decision yeah no, I find the same thing also in terms of what uh, investors do expect in terms of like returns mm. uh, I have had people I've been having conversations with who rather have a much lower return yeah. and lower risk uh, instead of like a higher uh, higher uh, 
percentages and, and the higher risk. So comes it comes back to what, to marketing though. Um, I think yes. And um, yeah, I agree with you. I'd rather take right now. All of my investment decisions are based both what I'm doing as a business and my own personal portfolio are all based on taking a long view and I will accept a lower return because yeah. I don't want to lose my money. <laughs> no, exactly. I mean, as long as we don't lose our money, that's super important, but it's even more important not to lose anyone else's anyone money. Anyone else's, exactly. exactly. Because then, then you very much destroy your whole reputation and many things for, for, for the long haul as well. Okay. Um, you've been doing this for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of like golden nuggets that you have picked up along the way. It might be yours, or if you've stolen and borrowed or recycled other people's. <laughs> well, there's nothing that's, that's fine as well. There's nothing original. Is nothing new under the sun. So yeah, um, a couple of high level okay, thoughts. Yeah. Um, so well, I told you my background was in strategy consulting. I think yes. it's always super helpful to have a clear strategy in your mind, and it probably will change whether it's because you've changed your mind or your goals or because the market's changed, yep. but have a strategy that you can follow that takes um, a lot of the pain away and, and helps you to focus and do flex in face of change. Within that, I would say know your own strengths. Um, so from you, you kind of have to know what makes you different and better and how you can add value to other people. Yes. Um, and from, from my side, I guess that's like, strategic understanding and relationships um, and grit basically yes. <laughs> but everyone has different um, strengths and you should know them and use them yep. Um, yep. I think knowing your customer is, is super important knowing who you're working with and what they want and then um, I guess don't be afraid to make mistakes Yes. we talked about this a bit earlier as well um, everyone who's doing anything yeah, we're all human. Every, everyone who's making any <laughs> success in their yes. life is also making mistakes at the same time sure. and has also done that along the way and I think sometimes people can get a little bit upset about that if they're used to a more perfectionist attitude but um, there's no shame in making mistakes as long as I mean, you're honest about it and you do what you can to correct it right that's where we're learning as well because if everything goes to plan all the time like, yeah. then, then we are probably maybe even playing too safe for our own best and, and by the way I don't mean stupid mistakes I don't mean like not checking your work I mean like yep. just don't be afraid to fail it's I suppose what I mean perfect alright uh, I have another Actually, I have, have one more yeah go, go for it go go <laughs> um, stay in your lane yes um, so I think it can be quite easy to get distracted especially in this very social media driven age by what other people are up to and then comparing yourself against them um I was listening to this Brené Brown book the other day and she said this amazing thing which is comparison sucks the joy and creativity out of life. I think that's so true that yes. you can get really hung up on what others are up to and use it as a, a reason to berate you know, your own success but actually just stay in your own lane keep focusing. And yeah, I think, think what two, two, two curses for, uh, for kind of uh, our, our generation and generations is it's like it's where we do draw the line I don't really relate to this, this millennial ones or whatever but my, my point is uh, we got the, the curse of too many options yeah yeah exactly and then we have got the whole social comparable thing where, where we got the, the which I think the, can be quite damaging po- sometimes Polish <laughs> insta way of living um, I've done a lot of thinking in terms of like how successful are people really like really really yeah, yeah, yeah. I have this uh, all the time <laughs> and, uh, and like people look like completely like rock stars on, on, on the surface and everything is fantastic and great uh, and we, we've got a, a decent sized portfolio we're operating at really high occupancy rates we've got good returns we've got uh, 
the, the right hands in the right kind of houses, everything is working. And even despite that, we still work hard to, to make everything work and to grow and so on. So I just wonder, people that are not paying attention to the details, not optimizing, uh, might pay too much when they buy it, they might pay too much for finance, they might not know how to fix it to the right level, they might not even fill it properly, or the wrong tenants, etc. Or they might not even stage it for, for, for letting or for sales. I just wonder, how do they make ends meet? By selling training courses for training. Oh, right. <laughs> Actually, um, I, I, I really don't know. I really don't know. Um, no, no, no. Sorry, no, no, I, no, no. I, I love that you said that. I love that. Uh, because uh, that, that leads on to, to another one. I mean, of, of people that are doing things good in, in the industry out there, and I, I put you in, in that little box, congratulations. No, thank you. Uh, you have not done like any of these like monster long training programs outside mm. the university. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, no, I have some training yep. not very much yep. um, and I think I've been very lucky because I have had some really good mentor figures yes, I think um, good. and so for example my first business partner who I hosted the first podcast I yes. did with Damien uh, Fogg he was a real mentor to me um, and I continue to work with John Corey um, who's a, been an amazing mental figure to me the whole way through. I met him when I was like 22, 23. Um, and actually, I'm really privileged yes. because we're now working with him on the current business. So um, I think those relationships have been really important to me. Um, yeah. And maybe it's also, I do I do put a lot of effort into learning, whether yeah. it's from practical, on-the-ground, mundane tasks and reflecting on, learning on about that, or whether it's from listening to audio yes. or podcasts. No, I mean, I f- find, I mean, one reason why I set up one of my biggest training programs I've been designing so far uh, is like, it felt like a huge, big black hole. Like, yeah, yeah, and then you just ask other people for money. Like, if the deal's good enough, the money will come. Like, is that even true? Honestly. That's just, oh, I got a good day, like, and people are still throw, throwing Well, everyone has a different idea of what good looks like. Yeah, so it's kind true, of like what you and true. I were saying earlier. Yes. It's like, right now, for me, a good deal is like a long-term deal that makes a respectable income every year and means that I will still have that money there and it will be safe in 10 yes. years' time. But if you talk to someone who's just been sort of sold on, I guess, maybe a really um, sexy prime... Yes. Uh, development deal in the centre of Manchester or something like that, then they probably wouldn't think that was a good deal. Um, so it's all relative. Yeah, no, because uh, I mean, my, my point is it it's really a, a skill or or and a very like much a, a grind. Like you start very much like, okay, who do I know? And then <laughs> yeah. contacting them and talking to yeah. them. I mean, that as that is like the base level which most people won't even get it's so right. fundamental and easy and because of the fear of rejection that people don't do that first thing and that is in my point of view the reason why most people don't even get into property or grow because they don't find the money uh, and everyone's saying like there, there is like so much money out there and like while we were speaking about this there's now more money than we started the conversation. Mm-hmm. So the, the banks are printing money. Uh, I find people find really good deals and then also to really find the right financing solution, and especially the, the later of those two, uh, still a big challenge for many people. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you think? 
So I think there's probably a part of it that's, you say people find good deals, but I don't know if it is necessarily all about that. Because if, if I'm making an investment decision, I'm not just looking at the property asset and what the plan is to do with it. I'm also looking at who is going to be doing it, what the context in the local market is, what other people are doing in the area. Like there's yep. so much more to a property deal than, oh, this is being sold underpriced. That's not the deal. The deal is what you do around it Indeed. and how you're going to add value. And that includes your team and it includes uh, their track record. And there's so many more things to it, I think. Yes. Um, so yes, maybe there is a great lead, I would call that. But a lead doesn't attract money, a deal does. Yeah, okay. All right, uh, food for thought. All right, so we have covered quite a lot of ground, ideas left, right, center mm -hmm. uh, from, from your... Uh, property journey here uh, and uh, if people like to get in touch with you and people like to follow you or, or check you out how can they do that so definitely come and have a look at thereturnpodcast.com which is a podcast website I would give you the website for the new business but it's yep. actually in the progress, pro, uh, process of being set up at the moment so yes. I will maybe add that we to can the, add that send to that to you later, later. <laughs> but the business is Anglo Resident you can follow me on LinkedIn um, and Facebook and Instagram Perfect. Um, and is there something we haven't spoken about that you'd like to share with the audience there can be anything whatever brings to mind I think if you want to do something, you should be looking for, if it's investment, business, whatever, something that's a little out of the ordinary, you should be looking for ways and means that you can do it rather than reasons why you can't. Um, so quite often I get asked like, oh, what's it, you know, I've, I've been thinking about leaving my job for like 10 years to run this business and I had this amazing idea when I was like 22 I and mean, I have, haven't done it yet because X, Y and Z. Yes. But that, that is only because they've been looking for reasons why they can't do it, not because they've been looking for reasons why they can. So actually, I think most of the time, if you've got a crazy idea or you've got an ambition or it's a really sensible idea, um, there's probably people that you know who can help. Yes. So um, look for them rather than looking for a reason why you can't do it. Give, yep. it, give it a go. Yeah, exactly. And I also really try to pick up from what uh, Anna has said uh, more than once in this interview. It's really good to have a mentor uh, and uh, to get access to someone else, not only success it, but also the, the backstory with, with uh, the problems and challenges to help them to get to where they are. You know, I think um, most of the reason why property investors and developers, why there is a payoff to that is problem solving. And if you yes. can solve problems, then there is a payoff to it. Um, so yeah exactly but everyone needs support with that sometimes or you need the right team you need the right resources to yes. at your disposal so um. perfect right I, I got a special message from uh, from Charlie I would like you to to help to, to read it out what's that oh, to say okay. here <laughs> so I'm, I'm reading a mug <laughs> <laughs> subscribe rate review apply benefit with a little smiley face right so message from Charlie uh he likes to have interaction uh, and did you notice by the way that you have got different ratings and reviews in different countries over the world yes that's a bit frustrating because you have no idea yeah how you do i know it. i know um, we just found nine five star reviews in sweden and two comments as well just the other day which we haven't picked up because it was of course used it's a, really used a uk browser yeah yeah, I, I found the same thing, but I think that I, I'm, to be honest, 
technology is one of those things that I seek support in others. Do your thing instead, keep pride great value. Yeah. So this has been uh, the podcast Invest in You, episode number 43. We've had the great guest Anna Harper. So thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Until next time, see you later. Bye bye.